0: Welcome to the Grace City, Tampa podcast. My name is Alex Damari. Me and my wife, Brianna, are the lead pastors. Our vision is to lead people into a life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that today's podcast will build you up, lift your faith, and encourage you in the journey. Here's the message. We'll go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Matthew 23. Matthew 23, we're in part two of my Two-part sermon that I started last week, leading like Jesus. And if you missed last week, that's okay. Um, you can go on and listen on our podcast on Apple Podcasts. We upload that every single week. Go ahead and listen to that. It's it's important that you hear the first installment. I'll try to explain some of it today. But basically, what it all boils down to is to understand how Jesus leads and how to lead like Jesus. We have to understand how he led. In Philippians 3, 10 through 12 says this, I wanna know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead, not that I've already obtained this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And Paul is simply just explaining he's on the journey of knowing Christ and what it looks like to outlive this faith and and lay down his life for it. And I love this because he hasn't obtained it, but he's pressing on to take hold of it. And I pray just in the simplest form of it today that that's the action that we take, that we just press forward just a little bit more and say, I wanna be more like Jesus. I wanna know him just a little bit more. And I believe that when we lead like Jesus, it changes everything around us. My message really boiled down last week to two characteristics of what a servant leader looks like. And I believe that every person on planet earth is a leader. When they lead themselves, they have the opportunity to lead other people. And when they can lead other people, there's these two characteristics, humility and sacrificial love. So are you ready for the word today? Matthew 23. Come on, I got a word burning on my heart. I pray it's going to change you and equip you. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you. But do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything is done for the people to see. They make their phylacteries wide and their tassels on their garments long. They love the place of honor at banquets and most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi, but others. But you, he's talking to the disciples in the crowd, are not meant to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher and you are all brothers. And do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one father, and he is in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. The title of my message today is Practice What You Preach. Practice what you preach. Let's pray. Lord, I pray in the same way that Paul wrote, that today we would press on and take hold of what it means to lead like you. We want to know you more today. We want to see your heart. God, I pray today that this word would sink into us and change us and change those around us. I pray we'll be open and receptive. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Amen. I had a friend tell me a while back that his mom always used to say this to him. She would say, son, you need to do as I say, not as I do. And when he said that, it was so jarring to me. I'm like, I can't imagine my parents ever sitting me down at a table and going, son, listen, you need to do what I say, but don't do what I do. It was so shocking when he said it to me, and I was kind of thinking through my life in parenthood. I have four small children, seven and under, and, you know, raising kids is a massive journey in itself, um, and my kids are becoming more and more aware, so I really was trying to think of anything in my life, and I really boiled it down to these simple things. You know, it was like a couple weeks ago, I'm sitting down in Emerson. My oldest son says, Dad, can I watch a movie? And I told him, no, son, it's bedtime. You got to go to sleep. So we do the whole thing. We get him in bed. And then what do me and my wife do? We go and sit and we watch a movie. And then all of a sudden, the little eyes peek around the corner. You know what I'm saying? Well, why do you get to watch a movie, right? Do as I say, not what I do, right? I'm like, oh, I think I do this, right? Another one, it was a couple of months ago, Cove. Our our five-year-old son, we're getting ready for bed, and he goes, Dad, can we go night swimming? Now, this is when, you know, Florida's like the same heat at day as it is at night. He goes, Dad, can we go night swimming? And I go, no, son, it's bedtime, right? And so I get him all ready for bed, put him in bed. And as I'm walking out, I look out at the pool, and I go, I'm going to go night swimming. So there I go, I get my shorts on, I jump in the pool at night, I'm just having a good time, just relaxing, and all of a sudden I look over at the slider, and there's my son Cove with these giant eyes and like a big lip on the bottom, just devastated that I'm swimming, and I'm like, get back in your bed, no, I didn't do that, come on, like, I'm like, come on out, son, I'm not a monster, church, you know what I mean, like, come on, so there he goes, like, basically fully clothed, diving into the pool, and here we go, swimming that night. But it's funny, I've realized more and more with my kids, there's so many different things like this, like treats and and entertainment and and their time that I'll tell them, do what I say, but don't do what I do. I'm in a different level than them, but, but really it's that same phrase that this friend would have told, or this friend's mom would have told him. And I know this is a small example, but I use it as an example of how easy it is when you don't fully understand what's happening to see the disconnect between someone who is not fully practicing what they're preaching. See, there's an expectation gap between preaching and the practicing, right? I wanna show you this. From the moment you preach something, the moment you say something, there's a gap to the moment that you practice it, right? So your words actually have to transition into practice. There's a gap there, and I believe this gap In our faith journey is one of the most important things that we need to close, right? So, like, when we preach that we're people of integrity, we actually have to close the gap and practice being integritous. Are you with me, church? When we preach living a disciplined life, we actually have to practice living a disciplined life. When we preach humility, we have to be humble. When we preach that we love people, we actually have to practice loving people. Are you with me, church? Come on, when we preach we're going to be authentic. We actually have to practice and close the gap and be authentic people. When we preach we have to choose joy, we actually have to step out and choose joy. We got to practice what we preach. Come on, when we preach we got to make disciples of every nation. We actually have to close the gap and make disciples. When we say we're going to be a follower of Jesus or we're going to pick up our cross daily, we actually have to practice what we preach. I could keep going and going on this, but I want you to hear this today. This gap between your words and actions is imperative to close if we wanna love God and love people and lead like Jesus. It's imperative if we wanna do what Jesus has said, if we wanna be the people he's called us to be, it's imperative that we close the gap and we practice what we preach. Are you with me, church? Come on, 1 John 3.18 says, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech. Come on, how easy is uh, is it for all of us just to love with words and speech, a text message, words of affirmation, encouragement. But what does it say? Let us not love with words and speech, but with what? Actions and in truth. This scripture gives us a true clarity to the journey of closing this gap. And I want you to hear me today. When we don't close the gap, people will follow you out of obligation or oblivion, but never out of inspiration or desire. When we don't close the the gap, people are simply following you out of either obligation or oblivion, right? They're obligated to do it because of your place of authority. Or it's oblivion. They're completely unaware of what's happening But it's never out of a place of inspiration and desire. And I believe that obligation and oblivion don't lead to true salvation. We're not in this out of obligation. We're not in this out of just being oblivious to it, right? It's out of inspiration of faith and understanding of the truth and believing. Are you with me? And the desire to follow after Jesus and have a relationship with him. Are you with me today, church? We have to practice what we preach. I want to jump back to Matthew 23 and explain a little bit of what's happening here. See, I love this. Jesus unashamedly is speaking to the disciples and to the crowd around him as the teachers of the law, the leaders of the law are there. And he's standing there and saying, listen, don't do what they do. You need to listen to what they say. But he's saying this massive statement. And if he's saying a statement like that, we should probably emphasize it and learn from it. Wouldn't you agree? Let's go back to verse two. It says, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. See, Jesus is saying, listen, I know the Pharisees are not practicing what they preach, but you still need to listen to the teachings of Moses and accurately outwork those in your life. Jesus was challenging the people to pursue a righteousness greater than theirs of their religious leaders. This would have been so hard for all of them to hear as the Pharisees are sitting in Moses' seat, as Jesus said. Moses' seat refers to the role of a teacher or the leader or the judge of Israel. So Jesus is coming along to the disciples in the crowds and completely breaking the mold of what their religion and relationship with God Looks like. Do you see this? He's saying the people who have been teaching you your entire life have not been practicing what they're preaching. Now, the reality is they're still speaking the law that God gave to Moses. And so you need to do what they say, but do not do what they do. See, when we don't practice what we preach, it, it's this word that a lot of people hate. It's kind of a, a trigger word, if you will, it's hypocrisy hypocrisy. And Jesus goes and publicly calls these religious leaders hypocrites. This word has so many negative connotations, and it's horrible to hear from someone else. We almost always instantly light up with offense if someone says this word, you're a hypocrite, right? You're like, come on, I'm gonna punch you in the face. What are you talking about, right? It's so, it's so jarring when someone calls you a hypocrite, and you're like, come on, get the plank out of your own eye. What are you talking about? You know what I'm saying? It's this funny thing that happens. I remember in college, I had just got to college. My best friend, we've been best friends since we were two. My best friend and I went to college together, and he knows pretty much all of the stories in my life because we lived them together. And here we are sitting in a circle with all these new people, and we're kind of you know, doing that, that game like, hey, tell us the craziest thing you've ever done. And we're going around in the circle, and everybody's telling their stories, and these stories are so much bigger than my stories. So I'm just thinking in my head like, how much bigger can I make this story? You know, how much bigger can I get away with this? And there I sit and I begin to blow up this story. Like instead of being 15 feet, it was like 25 feet. And I'm like just kind of fluffing up my story. And my best friend like leans over to me and goes, hypocrite. I was like so instantly furious, right? Would any of you get furious in that moment? I'm like, what do you, wh- what? You can't say that to me? All this kind of stuff. But it's funny, ever since that moment, now when I tell a story, It's like my friend is sitting right next to me. We're still best friends to this day. And it's like he's sitting right there next to me. And if I ever like even think like this could be fluffed up a little bit, I hear that word hypocrite in my ear, right? How many of us need a little word of hypocrite in our ear every once in a while? Yeah, but it's funny because so often we unknowingly do little things of hypocrisy throughout our life. We're not even realizing it. Maybe small ways of not fully practicing what we preach. That's the gap, hypocrisy. And we need to close in the gap and practice what we preach. So verse four, it says, they tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. So through these man-made laws of the Pharisees, the religious leaders begin to create these man-made laws, and they basically from a place of authority, make it impossible for the people of that time to carry. Yet they mercilessly held the people to these burdensome standards, and they aren't willing to even lift their fingers, what the Bible says. They're going, you need to carry this load. You need to live this life of religion, carry the weight on your shoulders, and we're just gonna sit here from a place of ruling, and we won't even lift our pinky, right? So this is how they're leading. And then in Matthew 5, verse 5, it says this. Everything they do is done for people to see. Verse 6, they love the place of honor at banquets, and most important, the seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi by others. So these prideful, glory-seeking, self-promoting people are eating up the honor they are getting from their positions. Right? They're going, "Call, call us rabbi. When Jesus clearly says, hey... Like, the only rabbi is Jesus, right? The only teacher is the Messiah. And what he says is the only father is your God in heaven. So those titles aren't given freely like that, and yet these religious leaders are trying to find any title of stature that they can carry. They're the furthest things from servant leaders. And Jesus is making a public spectacle of them, Not only to prove his point, but to give the disciples and the crowds a clear picture of how we are not meant to lead. He's tying his teachings back to Matthew 20 by reminding his disciples that we are meant to be servant leaders. He says in verse 26, instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. This is so crucial to understand. Come on, we gotta practice what we preach. Come on, turn to the person next to you and say, I'm gonna practice what I preach on, turn to the other person or that same person and say, we got to practice what we preach. We got to practice. Church, Jesus is trustworthy. Jesus is trustworthy. Jesus is easy to follow. His track record is incredible. He didn't just say he loved people. He actually loved them. He didn't just say he would help people. He actually helped them. And yet Jesus says in Matthew 23, the greatest among you will be your servant. He's making such a huge statement here. Come on, last week we talked about this, that the main characteristics of a servant leader is humility and sacrificial love. But Jesus isn't just spouting words and saying, come on, you gotta be a servant. Come on, you gotta love people. No, he's saying, come on, we have to close the gap and we actually have to practice what we preach. The greatest among you will be your servant. This isn't just words. This is actions. So I want to turn to John 13, 1 through 5. And I believe that this is one of the most beautiful examples of Jesus closing the gap. Are you with me? Come on. You got a little bit more in you. I know you're ready to eat. I know it's that time. I know you probably need another coffee or something. There's no bucks today. So we're like leaning in, you know. We got at least three more hours in us right here, okay. Word for word. Word for, nah, here we go. A little bit longer, I promise I'm going to wrap it up soon. It says this. in John 13:1 through5, it was just before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave the world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress. And the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Give us a context of where this is in the story. Verse 3. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist, And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel wrapped around them. Come on, some of you did this at your weddings. It was very uncomfortable for everyone else. (laughs) But it's a beautiful sign, and it's a beautiful example of servant leadership. Back in these times, the cultural expectations when you would go into someone's house was they would, first of all, greet you with a holy kiss. Welcome, I greet you with a holy kiss. And then either the person who owned the house or their servants would come and then wash your feet. This was the cultural expectation of the household. And then lastly, they would anoint you with oil, right? And they would put this oil on you. This is the structure of how things would lay out. So for Jesus, the Messiah, the King, God himself, to come and practice what he preaches and wash the disciples' feet would have been so shocking to everyone. Verses six through 12, even Peter gets upset by the fact that Jesus wants to wash his feet. Basically because this was so backwards from his culture and understanding. And he goes, I should be washing your feet, Jesus. And then Jesus replies and says, unless, if you don't let me wash your feet, you will have no part of me. This is an unbelievable example of servant leadership. But I wanna highlight verse 3 this is so crucial to see. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So, everyone say, so. So. He got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, and after that poured water into a basin, and began to wash the feet of the disciples. Do we see this today? In this moment, we read that Jesus comes into awareness that God had put everything under his control and that he had come from God and was returning back to God to rule and reign in heaven. So, one of the biggest so's in the Bible. So, all authority on heaven and earth is underneath his feet. So Jesus came and washed the feet of the disciples. So, come on, his first reaction to a title, his first reaction to the understanding of his authority, the first reaction to understanding the throne he was about to go back to, and yet his first reaction, servant leadership. Don't you love the heart of Jesus? Don't you love the example that he set out for us? This is the greatest example of how we should live every single day. And I'm not asking you to go wash each other's feet, but metaphorically speaking, what if we truly embodied the servant leadership of Jesus and practiced what we preached? He closed the gap in every sphere of life, ministry, discipleship, any authority, and we should become the least of these, humble ourselves and show love like Jesus. If we continue the scripture John 13, 12 says this. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, see this, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set for you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Jesus closes the gap. He practices what he preaches, what the religious leaders couldn't do from their place of authority. Jesus takes a whole nother level of servant leadership from full authority on heaven and on earth and leads. And he calls them to do the same in church. It's not just them. He's calling us to do the same. This is the example set before us to to sacrificially lead like servants And what does he say about the religious leaders? What does Jesus say? He says this, do not do what they do. Don't do what they do. You do what they say, don't do what they do. But after Jesus' servant leadership, what does he say? Do as I have done. Do as I have done. Come on, church. The gap is closed. He practices what he preaches. This is what we're called to do. This isn't just words. This is actions. This isn't just fluff. We're not just trying to tickle people's ears. We're ready to step into action and make a change and love people and fill in the gap. Amen? Come on, Matthew 23, 15. I've set for you an example that you should do as I have done for you. My main point is really simple. It says, the attitude and actions of servant leadership will enable us to lead like Jesus. The attitude, his approach, how he saw himself. Even though he had authority, everything was under his feet, his attitude was still that of a humble servant. And his actions, which were coming and serving others, are our example of how to enable us to lead like Jesus. I'm going to invite the band up. In a message like this, I think it's just so important that We don't just say words, but we talk a little bit about application. Because this is such a big thing to say. Like, hey, we need to approach this. We need to approach living like this. But if we don't have steps in front of us how to actually do this, so often we can just leave this place and go, that was an encouraging speech, like good TED Talk, Alex. (laughs) I think the reality is we overcomplicate this all the time. We try to think of a grand thing to do for people. When in reality, I think it's much easier than that. Our attitude and actions need to be that of Jesus. It's that simple. So our attitude is humility and love, and our actions are being humble and showing love. Love is laying down your life for someone, serving one another. Laying down your priorities for somebody else's priorities. And we as believers should be on the hunt to serve, serve, serve everyone always. We should be serving our family. We should be serving our friends. We should be serving the lost, serving your disciples, serving at church, serving your leaders, an all-around well-rounded version of serving people always. Are you with me, church? So the breakdown in society nowadays is so often... People will bring a need to you, something going on in their life, and we've all done this where you give them a pat on the back, and what do we say? I'll pray for you. We kind of leave it there. I'll, hey, I'll pray for you. I got, yeah, I got I'll pray for you. Let me know if you need anything. We'll leave it at that. When in reality, it's it's not always action, we just kind of let people know we're there. I think there's a breakdown in our society. A couple of months ago, I had a city group of mine. I'm sitting around a table and we had about 10 guys there and we just read the Bible, encourage one another. And we always do prayer requests at the end. People are going through things, need prayer for family members, friends, whatever, and we just pray. And uh, it came around to me on the table and I shared just two simple words, provision and protection. And uh, they kind of stopped me. I just wanted to leave it there. You know, sometimes you don't want to share too much in a prayer request. You're like, just two words, leave it. Just pray those things. Like just, Just pray literally that, provision, protection. But uh, they go, what do you mean, Alex? I was like, ah, don't do this. I kind of told them what we had been going through our kids. Um, We had black mold in our AC, and our kids were very, very sick. Um, And so protection over our kids' health and provision over all the hospital bills. You know what I'm saying? And uh, so I kind of explained this thing and left it there, and everybody prayed. It was amazing. I felt supported, encouraged. It was awesome. But right afterwards, a guy in, in the group, he stands up and pulls me aside, and he goes, hey, my wife and I uh, really want to bless you and your wife and help you with those bills. And I, I stopped him. I'm like, no, no, I didn't, I didn't say that because I want you to give to me. That was not my heart. Like, that's why I said like, just provision and protection. You know, like, I don't wanna go into details. And he goes, no, 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 but like, he's like, I'm on this journey right now that when I see a need, I'm gonna fill the need. Oh man, that's just stuck with me ever since then. Because what if like, just in, in Acts 2.42, like they all gathered together, and what it says at the end of this, in the beginning stages of the church that they filled every need and no one was in need anymore. Like what if the church actually, when they saw a need, filled a need? Didn't just leave it up to like the organization of the church, but understood that we are the church And we are the hands and feet of Jesus that when we see a need, we got to fill a need. This is exactly what Jesus did at the dinner. See, when they walked in with the cultural expectation, right, they should have walked in and had their feet washed from the beginning before the meal. Yet Jesus sat there and saw that there was a need and he went to fill the need and became a servant. Come on, it's as simple as this. In your family and your friends and the people that you love and the lost people and the people you're discipling in church. We gotta fill the needs. We can't just talk the talk. We have to practice what we preach. And we have to close the gap. Amen. We gotta close the gap. John 13, 17 the end of all this Jesus wraps it up with this statement he says now that you know these things and we need to hear that today like can we just can we just like even just for this moment just focus in and just hear me say this like this is this is Jesus speaking to us in this moment now that you know these things now that I know these things you will be blessed if you do them Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Come on, church, there's blessings in your own life every time you take the posture, attitude, and actions of servant leadership. Now that you know these things, you're going to be blessed if you do them. See, I would rather take God's blessings in my life than whatever convenience I'm holding onto by not serving. I would rather give up the convenience and get the blessing of God than hold on to my convenience and not do what I'm called to do. Are you with me today, church? Come on, we gotta practice what we preach. And there's blessings on blessings that only God can offer in our lives. Would you stand to your feet? James 4.10. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Come on, we gotta come with the heart, with the posture, with the actions of servant leadership. We're gonna lead like Jesus, amen? Come on, that means that some of you, even after this, go, I need to sign up for Growth Tracks. I need to be there next week because you understand that I need more opportunities to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Maybe some of you are gonna leave here today and you're gonna go to the the soup kitchen down the street where they're serving homeless people and you sign up for one morning a week or one afternoon and you come in and serve people because you just wanna, love people. Maybe in the lobby, when someone shares with you something going on in their life, you say, I'm going to fill that need. I'm going to help you. Even when even when people don't tell you, come on, we got needs we can fill all around us every single day, every moment. Would you just put your hands right out in front of you and close your eyes? I just want to pray a charge over this room. Almost a benediction, if you will. God, I pray over today that these words would sink into our heart. Just like you wrote in verse 13, now that you know these things, help us to know them. Help us to retain them and remember and outwork these things in our lives. Lord, we wanna be servant leaders. We wanna lead like you lead. We wanna love you first and foremost and we wanna love people. Help us to be your hands and your feet, God. Lord, I pray over every person in here. Lord, you bless them with the opportunity to be servant leaders even today. Lord, bless them with the opportunity to see a need and fill a need. When we do what you say, you bless us. God, I pray that there would just be this incredible abundance of your blessing over every person in this room as we step out and be your hands and be your feet. Let us Be humble and let us sacrificially love in Jesus name. Still, with every head bowed and eye closed, I wanna give a call for anybody in here that you would say, I hear you talking about Jesus and how he washed feet and how he loved the people around him that he served. But I, I want you to hear this today The gospel boils down to this one truth that Jesus Jesus did so much more than just washing feet. He laid down his very life for you and for me. It says that Jesus went to the cross and died for the atonement of our sins. There was a need that needed to be filled and Jesus filled the need with his blood and dying on the cross. And you might hear me say that today and go, yeah, like that's something I can respond to. And we love to give this call every single service, just people that hear me present the gospel and say, I believe that that's true. The Bible says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that he is Lord, then you will be saved. And so this is just an opportunity to confess that Jesus is Lord. And
1: so whether that's you or
0: whether you're someone who's been on kind of a detour of this faith journey with Jesus, and you're going, man, today I need to make the decision to turn my life around and live for the Lord, to practice what I preach. So if you want to give your life to Jesus today, I'm going to simply count to three, and at the count of three, if that's you, you say, yep, I want to believe that God is Lord. You're just going to raise your hand. One, know that God loves you so much. He sent his one and only son to die on the cross so that you could know life in abundance. Two, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. You don't need to wait any longer. You don't need to wait for all the answers. Come on, just take that first step of faith and say yes to Jesus. Three, if that's you, would you raise your hand? Come on, all across this room. Come on, hallelujah. Anybody raising their hand in this room? Yeah, yeah, I see your hand, hallelujah. Come on, we're gonna give a moment longer. Anybody that wants to give their life to Jesus, surrender their life to him. Well, come on, I saw one hand. Can we celebrate that today? Hallelujah. Welcome to the family. We're so glad you had the faith enough to step out today to confess him. And we're going to pray a prayer in just a, a moment with Wayne. where we're actually going to confess with our mouth. And I encourage you to speak this out full of faith. And uh, remember, this is just the first step. This is the first step in a beautiful journey in relationship. Welcome to the family of believers. And, You don't have to do this alone. We're here with you. Uh, And if you need to fill in all the answers, you don't know what to do, we're just gonna see you at the steps every single week. And we're gonna greet you and we're gonna continue in this faith journey together. Amen? Well, I think the most appropriate thing we can do is this brand new song, The Real Thing. I think it's important that we just start with the chorus of this song and we just sing this from our heart, professing the Lord and worshiping him. Come on, let's sing this out. Thank you for listening to the Grace City, Tampa podcast. Stay tuned for more weekly messages from our church.